the model that I have is that happiness is not a luxury, it's a necessity because it confers tons of benefits. Then some people might think that, oh, you know, you have to be super successful, super rich and this and that to be happy. That is not true. But the bottom line is that are you interested in becoming a happier person? If so, thanks to scientific research, we can claim that we have a recipe. You have to figure out what works for you and just create time. From Metro Edge, this is Edge of Greatness, a show for cutting-edge professionals and thinkers alike about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and game changers on their journey to personal and professional success. Welcome to the Edge of Greatness podcast. I'm your host, Josh Albert. Hello, everybody. My name is Jordan Brown. I'm guest hosting with Josh today. I'm the Diversity, Inclusion, Belonging Chair at Metro Edge. And today's guest is Dr. Maliksha Demir, born in Turkey. Maliksha is the first ever professor of happiness at Sacramento State, a part of the School of Psychology. His research and curriculum explore the science and practice of being happier. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so in honor, we are thrilled to welcome the leader in making Sacramento a happier place. Welcome, Dr. Maliksha Demir. Uh, hi everyone, uh, thank you so much for having me here. Uh, I'm, I'm pleased and happy to be here and talk about happiness. We're so happy to have you. <laughs> so we have one kind of like trick trivia question and I think you might even get it. We just, according to Google, what is the happiest food out there? Oh, that's a great question. I should have done my homework. Oh, it's uh, the happiest food for me. At least it would be lasagna, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have chocolate. Could be my second guess. Okay, so mm. so chocolate was up there. For me, okay. it's obviously donuts and pizza. Okay. But okay. according to Google, uh-huh. it's Indian food. Ooh, that's that's lovely. That's <laughs> excellent. Yeah. Why does why do they say Indian food? I don't know. I think maybe India is like paying the happiness mm-hmm. people on the back end for the. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's hilarious. Very cool. I love that. So walk us through your professional journey. How did you land the professor of happiness role? Uh, yes, of course. Uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, I'm a first generation Turkish American, and, and I received my undergraduate degree in psychology uh, from Middle East Technical University, and then uh, I uh, lived in Detroit, Michigan, and then attended Wayne State University. That's where I received my PhD in uh, developmental psychology, and it was during that time that my research started focusing on happiness. And then after getting my uh, PhD back in 2007. I uh, landed a job at Northern Arizona University, Flagstaff, Arizona, where I was there for 14 years. And then uh, my research focused on happiness specifically. And I was trying to understand uh, uh, what makes people happy, but also my other line of research focuses on intimate relationships and then friendships and how they contribute to individual happiness uh, across cultures. And then uh, I was there for 14 years, like I said, and the position came up at the Sac State, our very own Sac State here. It was the professor in happiness position. And uh, here, the, uh, it, my official title is actually, at my position is the Reiki Singh Endowed Professor in Happiness. And then here, I'd like to thank again Reiki. Uh, he is the donor who created this wonderful position with his great vision about happiness. I applied to this position. It was uh, you know, an international search and I am here. That's uh, how, in a nutshell, I ended up here from Turkey to Sac State being a professor in happiness. Wonderful. 
Are, are people happier or less happy today compared to, let's just say, at some point in the past? Uh, that's a, a great question. I think there are two ways to address this. According to some published studies, the overall happiness of, of uh, people are uh, likely to fluctuate. Of course, for instance, during the pandemic, the happiness of Americans uh, has declined, but now it's bouncing back. However, if we're comparing, you know, 50, 60 years ago, we do not see a big jump, big change in uh, the happiness of American people. Or, or you know people in in general so uh, there are reasons as to why this might be the case such as hedonic adaptation that is we are adapting to whatever we experience we go through fluctuations ups and downs but we get back to our the so-called baseline level of happiness because it seems like like i hear more stories of depression like these days does it seem like like depression is more wide than it used to be it's, uh, uh, I guess one can uh, make that argument, but I like to uh, focus on, uh, you know, recent data. Uh, we have, you know, surveys coming from different parts of the nation, and it's uh, showing that unfortunately during the pandemic, and then perhaps understandably, uh, anxiety uh, disorders and then depression, uh, the rates for them had increased uh, significantly in the United States. Uh, the fluctuations as well. However, one uh, favorite report of mine that is, uh, you know, published annually is the World happiness report and according to world happiness report during the pandemic uh, United States was ranked 19th all around the world uh, there was a significant decline the year before because uh, United States was ranked 16 but during the pandemic it, it went down perhaps understandably because of the pandemic but now it's back to 16 again according to the most recent data so fluctuations are likely to be observed uh, but uh, unfortunately in the case of uh, depression recent uh, stats and studies are uh, not promising in the sense that the yeah, we have a significant number of people suffering from uh, depression or anxiety disorders I have a quick question. Of course. Who was the first on the list of the happy? Oh, happiness? yes. I'd love to talk about that. Uh, do you want to guess or do you want me to tell you right away? I'm going to go for... Uh... I can give some tips. Okay. okay. August, okay. August, too. Yes. Okay. I'm just going to like random uh -huh. Norway. Uh -huh. uh, Norway is close. It's in the top, top five, certainly. Okay. I'm going to go for uh, Brazil. Oh, no, no, Brazil. I, I love Brazil, but it's, it's Brazil is not the one. The happiest nation, according to the most recent World Happiness Report, is Finland. Okay. And uh, the second nation is Denmark. And uh, Denmark uh, has Scandinavian been... Scandinavian countries have something uh, Something special. Out. It's just their, their lifestyle, their approach to life. And then, of course, it wouldn't hurt to have free health care, free education. Yes. Uh, parental leave for both parents, you know, for a year paid uh, at the same time, of course. And if you're a college student, uh, say you want to go to Spain to learn Spanish for a semester, the government is be, be, will be happy to pick the tab for you, right? So lots of opportunities, of course, provided. Not surprisingly, they have been ranked as the happiest nations in the world. Yeah. Wonderful. Cool. So what makes somebody or some country happier than another country? Uh, um, at the personal level, we can talk about different predictors, such as uh, one's personality plays a big role, but in addition to personality above and beyond that, what you do, what you engage in, and your specific activities that you do is going to make a huge difference. And then, uh, But at the national level, we have some studies suggesting that uh, national 
differences uh, in happiness uh, explaining as high as 75% of the variance can be boiled down to the following factors. Level of democracy in the nation, uh, corruption, of course it's negatively associated, and then the income inequality to varying degrees, and then, then we also have gender equality, uh, the more gender equality is, the happier the nations right. are in general. And then I already said the corruption, right? And then also another variable uh, that is uh, found in the literature is level of urbanization and then uh, urban schooling. Mm. Schooling, so uh, educated people in general. So these, you know, more educated, yeah, uh -huh. happier. Yep, uh, at least in, in those data sets, yes, collectively these factors uh, make a big difference in how happy nations are in general. But of course, another thing that hasn't been studied in those large scale studies, but one of my favorites is progressive taxation. The tax policy of a nation, believe it or not, makes an impact if not big, on the happiness of citizens all around the world. Progressive taxation is, you know, the rich paying more uh, according to their income and so on and so forth. And apparently if you are living in a state, in a nation that has progressive taxation, you are more likely to be a happy person living so in So the nation. wealth is spread out more, yep. the country tends Equally. to be happier. Yep, yep, exactly. I love yeah. that. That's wow. so cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's some notes. That's some notes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, certainly. My students are always amazed to hear about how the tax policy of a nation makes a big impact on the happiness of that people. Yeah. And why is, for you, me, and for Jordan, why is our happiness important? Uh, there are, I think, a few uh, important uh, ways to uh, ad uh, address this uh, issue. You know, happiness is important because uh, it provides uh, tons of benefits to the individual and then the, it is uh, important because uh, happy people are more likely to be kind they are uh, more likely to be healthy they are more likely to uh, volunteer their time and then also their kidneys happy people compared to less happy, <laughs> happy people and then the happy people are more likely to contribute to their societies their environment and uh, one thing that i really like is that uh, maybe this is not the right word to use in the middle of a pandemic but happiness is contagious <laughs> such that <laughs> see I, exactly that was the reason the, the reason is that there are studies showing that your happiness is likely to go up as high as 15 percent uh, if the most important person in your social network, immediate network, is happy. Applying this to yourself, Josh, for instance, if you are happy, that's why it should be important for you. If you are happy, people hanging out with you, people around you in your social network are likely to be happy as well. So mm. happiness in that sense is, is, is contagious. Wow. How about like success in business and leadership? Because I, I have encountered a lot of people who might have a boss they like they hate for example or like we might generalize someone as being successful and being kind of a jerk but are happy people mean or are they nice uh happy people or successful uh, excuse me oh, oh success yes uh, it has been the idea in the united states uh, up until perhaps uh, a decade ago before we had more research that you have to work as if there is no tomorrow, right? And then you're going to spend all your cognitive resources towards it and then, then happiness is going to find you. But it turns out that this is not true. Happy people are more likely to be successful. And then if you want to define success in terms of income, that's fine. We have research showing that happy people are likely to make more money than less happy people. We have longitudinal studies showing that. If you 
focus on success as finding a job happy people are more likely to get second interviews and to get employed happy people are more likely to get promotion at work so happy people are more likely to be successful in different domains or however you define it according to research so happiness confers benefits and then being successful is is, is one of them hmm. is happiness is it is it like genetic or like what what should we be doing to make ourselves happier that's a fantastic question it's uh, yes uh, uh, it, it is true uh, for perhaps any construct that we study in psychology happiness has a strong genetic component indeed there are models and then research suggesting that as high as 65 percent of your overall happiness is based on your genes, your genetic makeup, which creates the baseline that we highlighted at the beginning of this conversation. So genes really do make an impact. So we do have heritable influences, and then it is as high as 65%. Now, when I tell this or share this with my students, sometimes there is the, the pessimist in class that says, oh my goodness, we are doomed. So if my genes are not happy enough, then what's going to happen? Well, I do not subscribe to this argument because to me, this is good news mm -hmm. because it suggests that 65%, that's fine, that could set up your baseline, but the rest is within your grasp. Mm. Things that you do, the mind that you're going to have, the habits you're going to establish, the activities that you perform can make a big difference above and beyond that 65%. So that is my take on the issue. But yes, there are certainly genetic contributions to uh, individual happiness. Okay, so I could, be, I could win the genetic lottery and be more pre-inclined to be happier. However, uh -huh. if I didn't win that genetic lottery and I was less inclined, Tell us about the strategies that we can do to be Yes, happier. there are uh, you know, a long list of empirically supported validated strategies. Uh, one of them is, is that, I, that I can uh, list is engaging, performing random acts of kindness. And then typically, you know, standard interventions, people are assigned to say perform three acts of kindness on a particular day during the week and you do this for a month. And then we assess your happiness before and after a month and then a, a few months later and we do see that kind acts contribute to people's happiness. And what is really impressive about this kind acts is that they don't have to be specific to people that you know. Being kind, engaging in kind acts to strangers is also going to bring about the same benefits. And then also being kind to yourself, being compassionate to yourself is going to be beneficial as well. So kindness is, is one particular activity. Another one that is my favorite that people can engage in is, is practicing and expressing gratitude. And then people can keep a journal, right? And then they write uh, to that journal, you know, once a week or every night. That the point is whatever activity that you're doing, it should not be a burden to you. You should be enjoying it. So you should be, you know, uh, you know keep it really easy. If writing every day is, is too much for you, then it's going to lose the point. That's okay. Do it just once a week, right? So the point is for you to practice this in the amount that works for you. The dose is going to be really important. Uh, and then there are also other strategies, for instance. That's one thing that I do with my son is that we washed really well an empty pickle jar and then we decorated it. It's just pretty big. I love pickles, yep. <laughs> and then, then uh, every once in a while we put, you know, colorful index cards in it, you know, on certain days, you know, what we are grateful for. And that jar, jar is populating with, you know, grateful notes. And at the end of the year, before Christmas time, we sit down and open that jar and then read, let's see what we were grateful for during this past year. So that's just, you know, an activity that could boost your one smooth mood. And then the, another one 
one is is uh, expressing gratitude is this activity actually has tons of research uh, supporting its uh, usefulness for increasing one's mood in the short run and in the long run is writing a gratitude letter. The instructions are pretty straightforward. Think about someone in your life who has been really influential to you, who has been really kind to you, important to you, but you never had a chance to properly thank that particular person and your letter it doesn't have to be you know the, the perfect grammar perfect letter as long as you express your ideas tell that person why you are grateful for I could say you know dear John you have been such a great friend you've been there for me you know whenever I need it I'm truly grateful for your friendship and so on and so forth right then this is the first step the second step is that you're going to read that letter to that person <laughs> when you meet them. I and love then, this. Yeah, yeah. And then I think a Kleenex could perhaps sponsor <laughs> this because it's such an you know, uh, emotional uh, event and an activity. I do this you know, every couple of months. It's certainly emotional because of the pandemic. I've been you know, reading the letters you know, on the phone to my friends or whomever I, I wrote those letters. And my students, their reactions are usually positive. They say, yes, this is very difficult. They are getting out of their comfort zones, but it provides immediate benefits. Uh, it enhances the relationship that you have right which is really good it's closeness but also the mood of the recipient and and the one who wrote the letter is going to increase as well and most importantly people who wrote gratitude letters their happiness remember that baseline we talk about they are creating a new baseline for themselves and maintaining that boost in their happiness so which is another you know good activity we have gratitude another one uh, that I really like is practicing mindfulness mm. When we say practicing mindfulness, some uh, listeners or people might uh, think that, oh my goodness, it's not meditation, is it? It doesn't <laughs> have to be that intense or that long. There are different variations, different ways, just spending one minute or 10 minutes a day, that's all it takes, focusing on your breathing. There are tons of short clips on mindfulness.org that, that are free, that fully available to people or other you know, uh, video services that you can find online. Practicing mindfulness is, is really useful, but if you wanna do it in an intense way, there are eight week long lasting programs where you spend two, three hours every week, learn about mindfulness, how to practice it properly and so on and so forth, uh, sending good wishes to yourself, to others, to, to your enemies and so on and so forth. And mindfulness works you know, amazingly. And then my favorite study is coming from a study done in Norway with physicians, <laughs> uh, happy people, right? right yeah. yeah. But, but those uh, uh, physicians who practice mindfulness compared to those who did not, they were still way happier six years later compared to the group who never practiced mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Now, this is amazing. Another uh, way to enhance individuals' happiness is uh, learning about and practicing your signature strengths. The, right. the co-founders of positive psychology, uh, uh, Martin Seligman and, and, uh, and, and others, uh, they were uh, asking the field to focus on the positive emotions. Because thanks to advances in research, we know a lot about clinical depression. We know a lot about anxiety disorders and so on and so forth. And we have a manual called DSM, right? Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Psychological Disorders uh, for Mental Disorders, <laughs> right? It's a long one. Yeah, yeah, it is. Certainly it is. But the, the idea uh, put forth by Seligman and his colleagues was that we should create uh, a, a signature strengths that people might have. And then the, this resulted in identifying 24 strengths that people might have. And then they ask you to complete a survey. There are individual differences. And perhaps you're going to find out that you are 
uh, very good at, uh, at the love of learning or perhaps uh, play or humility or forgiveness or leadership, whatever your strengths are. And once you take this kind of, uh, survey and it tells you your top strengths and in research people are asked to practice their signature strengths uh, every day in unique ways, novel ways that they haven't before and they're assessing their happiness to see if something changes. This is impressive. The uh, impact of this practice is lasting as long as three months. People who practice their signature strengths, they are still happier compared to those who haven't three months later. So there are tons of activities that people uh, you know, can, can uh, practice and, and then the, the important issue is to figure out which one fits you. What I love is so what you're yeah. saying mm -hmm. is I can just focus on the things that I'm already good at and exactly. I'm happier. Yep. Yep, certainly. Yeah, which is so uh -huh. intuitive, but sometimes uh -huh. we don't do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What about what about focusing on things that I'm not so good at? That's another great question, and actually, a recent, relatively recent study in Europe addressed this idea. So once you complete that survey, it tells you these are your top five strengths, signature strengths, and these are the lesser five, right? And in one particular study, without the participants knowing, they completed the survey, but they haven't seen the report. And the researcher said, okay, we are giving you these strengths to work on for a week. What you didn't know that those were your lesser strengths, mm. right? Guess what? They produce the same impact. Right. So, which is brilliant news because, so, you, know, practically, you know, focusing on your strengths, either the top ones or the lesser ones, according to that study, it makes a difference in people's So, like, happiness. I love to sing, but uh -huh. I'm not a great singer. Oh, please. Okay. It, might, okay. it might tell me I'm not a great singer, but I might still enjoy it practicing being a better Exactly. A as long as it fits you, as long as you enjoy it, those are, you know, So watch out karaoke bars in Sacramento. Well, I out, love man. that. Here we, go. Here we go. <laughs> Let's do it. Certainly. Um, yeah, I, really, I was really feeling um, the, the idea of like the jar of, of, of gratefulness, uh -huh. right? Like to visualize that and see it fill up. It's almost like, you know, um, filling up your, your your piggy bank with all this great information yep, and yep. knowledge. I'm gonna practice that with my kids. Oh, that's and, awesome. then, and another one was really stuck out to me was the, the, the shout outs or letting people know that like, hey, I'm really grateful for what you're doing. And it reminds me of being on the radio and calling someone up and say, I wanna give a shout out to my best friend. And then they hear it over the song and mm -hmm. it's just like a really ah, great feel. I love that, yeah. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. those are really mm -hmm. cool things that uh, I think are just really simple to do. Uh, yeah, certainly. I, I believe that you know it's as easy to do, but of course we all have our lives. We might be busy. Correct. I think the challenge for uh, for everyone, you know, including myself, is to have the mindset that we can dedicate at least 10-15 minutes a day for our happiness, our well-being. Because uh, the model that I have is that happiness is not a luxury, it's a necessity because it confers tons of benefits. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is that are you interested in becoming a happy person or a happier person? If so, thanks to scientific research, we can claim that we have a recipe. You have to figure out what works for you mm -hmm. and just create time. All it takes is five, 10 minutes of practice every day and you're going to reap the benefits of it. So you said something to me like, Happiness is not a luxury. That's correct. Yes. So we say so happiness. The way I understood it is, we need to always be working on our happiness. It's not basically like we reach a barrier and we're like, okay, I'm done working on my happiness. Uh, that's a, a, a great question. And then the, I think uh, yes. Uh, 
I think there are two separate ways to do this question. The first one is that happiness is not a luxury. Then some people might think that, oh, you know, we have to be super successful, super rich, and this and that to be happy. That is not true. And then the happiness is a necessity because research has convincingly shown that happiness confers tons of benefits to individuals. You know, during pandemic, you know, we are perhaps isolated. We, we felt sad and so on and so forth. But it is during that time we should be happy because there is research showing that happy people are more creative. Happy people are, uh, they have stronger immune system functioning and happy people live longer plus uh, seven or 10 years across studies. Even orangutans, happy ones, they live longer than less happy orangutans, right? So happiness is, is, is a, not a luxury, it's a necessity for everyone. That's why we should be uh, raising awareness perhaps about this so that people can focus on these, uh, you know, this, this important emotion. And the second part of question, Josh, is uh, there might be this uh, misperception that in the pursuit of happiness, we should be happy all the time. No, it doesn't work that way and it shouldn't be and it's not possible cognitively or, or psychologically. And then I'm a professor in happiness at Sac State. I am not happy all the time. I, I have my you know, sad down days. This is perfectly normal. Being It's part of life. It's part of the process, right? However, what matters is the predominance of positive emotions over negative emotions. And negative emotions, they also serve functions. When you're upset, when you're frustrated, it, it, it tells you that there is something wrong in your environment that right. you need to attend to they do have a function and then serve you know important uh, you know uh, uh, messages uh, that's why it is perfectly okay to feel sad to embrace the negative emotions but what matters again is by engaging in these different activities and practices and then creating that mindset uh, the predominance of positive emotions over negative emotions they are going to be the key for happiness I believe yeah I love it what what about for somebody who is clinically diagnosed with depression or ADHD, mm -hmm. things that are linked to being less happy? Can, can they maybe like stop taking medicine and just focus on some of these strategies that you taught us or is there a balance or? That's a fantastic question and I'm going to be very careful in terms of how I'm answering this question. As far as I know, uh, majority of the studies, published studies focusing on different happiness activities, they are not including clinically depressed individuals. Instead, they are focusing on people who might have, you know, mild, moderate, depressed mood. Okay? And then for that particular group, happiness interventions are equally effective compared to less depressed people. So there are studies showing that you know kindness, gratitude, mindfulness, and so on and so forth, they are working well for mild to moderately depressed people as well. However, I am not aware of uh, any uh, specific studies that focus exclusively on clinically diagnosed depressed people. The processes and then the, the, the trajectories and stuff are going to be different perhaps, but I don't know of uh, any uh, studies on that yet. Could we see some research from your office? On oh, oh well, uh, it's a, we have a long list of things to do okay. uh, on our <laughs> campus and then uh, for Sacramento, hopefully in the, in the next you know, uh, couple of years, but uh, why not? Yeah, we can definitely include that on our things to do list. Yeah, certainly. Speaking of things to do, um, what does the futureness of happiness look like? What does the future of happiness look like you know what I mean like because they have apps out for mm -hmm. calming and meditation and mm -hmm. breathing and all these things it seems like there's going to be like a really big push towards just better living and happiness oh yeah I mean it's a self-help and, and well-being it's just it's a you know huge business I was reading the other day you know just the books apps and so on and so forth collectively the market is what over one billion dollars 
I mean, this, this is huge. And then the, what is next? I mean, research-wise, there are still unanswered questions. And then, for instance, uh, we talk about uh, happiness-promoting activities. We do need more cross-cultural research. Someone from Turkey, for instance, are they going to benefit from character strengths to the same extent as an American? Right, mm -hmm. yeah. and then uh, these, course, uh, for instance, there are some studies showing that great practicing gratitude was not as effective in South Korea, and we have to understand as to why this is happening. And then also, uh, uh, we do need more research in diverse groups uh, in the United States, uh, not only you know along the you know gender spectrum, but also you know race slash ethnicity as well, because the. Uh, problem in, in psychological research is most of the time it's focusing on one particular you know uh, racial group and then uh, if we are concerned about generalizing our findings then we need to focus on these diverse groups so in a nutshell i think these two would be uh, uh the the big answer to that that question so happiness depends on the culture right like in a way because you're saying that all these different variation factors depending on your culture, where you live at, that kind of determines your happiness. And uh, not not it, particularly, uh -huh. but it's a factor. Yeah, culture certainly you know makes a difference, and we need to understand uh, more as to you know uh, the its its specific role in in, the, in that process. Uh, of, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, absolutely. And then the one leader in our field, for instance, Sonia Limorsky, professor at University of California Riverside. Uh, she's a Russian-American, and, and uh, she is uh, highlighting that in, in Russia, for instance, you know, people are not uh, necessarily interested in being happy, right? And they say that you know, being happy, perhaps you have too much time on your hands. That's the same mentality in Turkey as well. When you're too happy, too cheerful, people think something might be off, right? <laughs> so, but why? Right? So, but that's why I found my niche here, right, in the United <laughs> States. I was a cheerful person. I was a happy person, you know, and then... then Perfect place. Nobody's judging you. Indeed, people are happy to see me happy, right? So, so there, there might be cultural nuances and in general. So we need to be perhaps uh, understand the the process and another factors contributing to that uh, level of cultural influences. Okay, one last question for you. Of course, as you said, you came from Turkey and you're now in a, a happier place. Or you you feel like you fit in with this happy culture. What what? Uh, how has Sac made you more happy? What about Sacramento makes you happy? Because I came back and I'm from here, so. Oh, okay. I'm wondering. Okay. Uh, wondering. Oh, it's that's a great question. Uh, because of the pandemic, I couldn't do much of an exploration. However, with the limited uh, visits that I had, I love the trees. I love the, the nature. Uh, my son and I are getting into kayaking. And then, uh, so there are tons of possibilities. Sac State has an aquatic center. Mm -hmm. I love uh, that uh, you know, nature and then trees. This is just uh, brilliant. And then also, I like the, the variety. Uh, in the Flagstaff, Arizona, where I lived 14 years, pine trees <laughs> everywhere, right? I mean, it's the you know, most populous uh, pine tree uh, place in the entire continental you know, nation, which is, or the second perhaps, which is great. It's awesome. But I love the variety here. Just, you know, where I live, you know, in my backyard, I have, you know, three different trees whose names I keep forgetting every time I have to Google them. But the point is that the nature and then the, the, the uh, related activities makes a big difference, I think. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Awesome. This has been so fun. We're going to fire some rapid questions at you as you wrap up. All right. And um, the first one we want to ask is, who is your role model? 
Role model. Oh my goodness, that's a, that's a great uh, question. It's uh, there are you know uh, different uh, you know uh, names popping up. Uh, uh, I think uh, okay. I know you said you know rapid fire questions, but oh my goodness, this is too much uh, too much pressure. It's uh, it's uh, I think uh, as a role model, I am uh, really impressed by uh, the work of Martin Seligman, the co-founder of the field of positive psychology. His uh, ambition and his strategy certainly made a big difference for our field. And then I'm inspired by uh, you know, his work, his accomplishments, and uh, his, his uh, vision for uh, the, the uh, field of psychology. Awesome. And um, we'll, we'll drop his name in the link so, uh, oh. so we can go research him. Sure, of course. Um, and how about favorite book? My favorite book, uh, I love uh, Amin Malov. Amin Malov is a French Lebanese uh, author. And, and I uh, read uh, his book you know, a while ago. That's the book Disoriented. It's uh, Disoriented, the, the, the name of the book is. And then that, was, uh, that has been my favorite. Okay, awesome. Yeah. How about favorite restaurant, either here or like somewhere else, but maybe, maybe actually favorite, favorite Sacramento restaurant? That's another great question, but uh, this is my second year. I was just telling yeah. you about, about the, the, the same issue. I didn't have a chance to explore, unfortunately, Sacramento as much. Well, what's your favorite food then? Uh, my favorite food is uh, Mediterranean yeah. slash Middle Eastern food. So, What, what uh, can you make, actually? Oh, oh I, I can make uh, uh, lentil soup. Uh, I, I like that. I can... Uh, Perfect for today. Uh, yeah. Oh, it would be lovely. And then I can make uh, tomato soup from scratch and uh let's awesome. see yeah so but i will uh, definitely keep uh, exploring restaurants once uh the pandemic is is uh, over i hope um awesome and then last one is favorite place to go unwind disconnect uh favorite place uh to go uh does it have to be uh, in, in somewhere in sacramento no oh, just no. like get it's away from uh, work and i see uh, it's uh well i mean my happy place in my head is is uh, my hometown it's just right there by the beach. Uh, my parents' house is just two blocks away from the Mediterranean, and then uh, it's you know open to public. I just go to that beach and then just uh, two blocks. Just, uh, yeah. What's so it's like it's like being in Southern California. Oh uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Just what's, what's uh, the name of the hometown? Uh, Antalya. 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 Yeah, that's my happy place. Just uh, the waves uh, and then the, the, listening to the sound of the waves and the images. It's uh, so gorgeous. That's my happy place. Too. Yeah. I'm there with you right now, man. Well, here we go. Here we go. Absolutely. I hear you. Alexa, well, this yeah. is so fun. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. It. Thank you so much again for having me. I hope uh, everyone uh, stays happy. <laughs> Stay and then happy. be happier. All right. Okay. Excellent. Cheers. Very cool. Cheers. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. This has been The Edge of Greatness. A huge thank you to Metro Edge. A huge thank you to the UC Davis Graduate School of Management. A huge thank you to Rayleigh's. And a huge thank you to Bob Stobner, our technical producer. We'll see you next time.